0: Welcome back guys to On The Bat Bar podcast with me, Christopher Menning, and I hope you're all doing absolutely wonderful. Uh, we've got a really cool guest today. His name is Lorenzo and he's the beverage ambassador for four seasons in Hong Kong, uh, overseeing a few of the property's programmes, including the Caprice Bar, which is newly nominated at the 34th best bar in Asia. So Lorenzo has had an incredible career, which we're going to learn about today from working at the Savoy American Bar to Dandelion to Charles H in Korea. I mean, he's been to pretty much some of the best destination bars in the world and actively been involved in making them successful. So on top of this, we talk about the recent events in Hong Kong and how they're all doing over there. We also talk about his love of truffle negronis and lacto-fermented plums. So it was quite an interesting, interesting interview and I hope you can enjoy it. Um, as always, guys, please share the love, share this episode. I'd really like it if you can maybe leave me a comment and some five-star ratings because that really helps my show grow. We're actually uh, up to thousands of subscribers now, so uh, that's a little bit daunting and it makes me very happy to hear that so many people listen to me. So <laughs> thank you very much and I uh, hope you can keep going. Uh, another thing as well, if you do leave me a comment, please leave me uh, an idea of who you would like to see on the show. I've got a a good lineup coming up to the next couple of months until about November time. So, yeah, it'd be kind of good to have your input to see who you would love to hear about uh, and who you'd love me to interview. So, yes, as always, stay safe, and I'll talk to you at the end. Enjoy the show.
1: Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom. In beer there is freedom. And in water, there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Manning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Manning?
0: All right, Lorenzo. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bat bar today. It's a pleasure to see you.
2: Uh, how's it going over there in Hong Kong? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, and I uh, hope you're well. Um, here in Hong Kong now is uh, it's uh, it's been a rough uh, couple of months, I guess. We had this third wave that uh, hit us badly, so. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those uh, restrictions that were put in place a few months ago—they are—they've they, been—they are back, and um, so we are living uh, in this uh, somehow a very unusual uh, uh, situation where, you know, restaurants and bars are closed at night. Um, the mask is um, is mandatory in in any public places. Uh, we can still operate lunch in restaurants. But of course, I think it's just generally the, the vibe that, you, that we have in the city, that it's, um, it's a bit unreal. Uh, you know, tr- people still try to um, get the, the best out of it of their free time, but also there is a lot of uh, awareness uh, and, um, you know, and, and people are, are uh, definitely understanding that the situation is uh, it's still very much so uh, difficult. And so everybody is uh, trying to be responsible and um, for for as much as we can and um, so I guess that I don't feel personally I don't think we are in danger in in major danger but of course it's really all about um, being being responsible and uh, and just follow the the guidelines as much as we can for sure. um, hopefully things will get better soon
0: mm-hmm. and is this the new normal you think do you think things will ever go back to how it was
2: yeah, I, I think definitely, especially when it looks uh, when we look at hospitality and FMB, uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, things will change. Especially when it comes to, um, you know, the I guess that technology in the future will definitely uh, play a major role in F&B, in operations. I think this was a, at least in this period we could test and we could uh, see what what how technology could be fully integrated in our operation so from that side i think things will get maybe different i think when it comes to uh health and safety um um i think every venue will be definitely much more careful in the way we approach the guest uh and uh, and as well in um in in the tools that we use to uh, to prevent uh, uh things like this um, I, I hope that this is not the new normal, but uh, hopefully we we all learn a little bit from from this, and we can take some positives from from this um, this situation. Hundred percent, yeah. Well, let's let's
0: um let's talk about you then. So you've had an incredible career. You're part of four seasons now, but um, you actually started way back in London, right? In some quite incredible places. So I'd love to. Take a step back and let you take over and listen about your
2: career history if we can sure um, you know i i, I was um, I studied lower university very with very bad results <laughs> so I quickly realized that uh, that was not my path and um, and I'm, I'm from Italy so in Italy we definitely have a great tradition in hospitality and 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 fMV in general so i uh, my family, uh, there are, there was not really anybody working that worked uh, in in restaurants or bar. But, um, but I once I quit university, I I start to work in um, in uh, in some local coffee shop and bars, and and I realized that, um, and I sort of fell in love with the profession. So, of course, when I was uh, I was 21, back 20 years old, I was not really into cocktails, but uh, I was more into the. The old vibe and the situation that the bar was, so you have music, uh, of course you have um, booze, uh, beautiful girls. It's a fun environment. Yeah, uh, lots of friends around. So I think I was more attracted to that. Uh, but then suddenly I realized that there was all um, an element of craftsmanship, and uh, and there was really and it was really a, a profession that um, that um, that required uh, a lot of. Um, a lot of study and research, and uh, um, so I decided to to pack my bag and and I moved to London. And because uh, at that time, I remember that um, looking at inter- YouTube and uh, and you see that you know most of the, the the most famous bartenders were all from either New York or, or or London. So you know, from my for the little knowledge that I had, I was like well, that's probably the place to be. So um, I, I moved to London and um, I was lucky enough to, um, you know, get in touch with, uh, with. Uh, actually, there's a funny story because um, I met, uh, uh, when I was in Rome, before I moved to London, I met uh, randomly Salvatore Calabrese and I didn't know who he was. I, I didn't have a clue, but I went, there was a bar, a little bar show or a trade show in Rome Mm-hmm. and i went to this um, trade show and i was told uh, by a friend of mine that this gentleman was a very well known legend of the industry but you know as i said before i was very um, those were my you know i didn't really know much about the industry so but i i got the courage to approach him and uh, and i tell i basically told him Uh, in a very naive way, hey, I'm going to London, can you suggest me some bars where I can (laughs) walk? Something like that. (laughs) Uh
0: And
2: uh, and I think he saw in me this, you know, he saw this, you know, he he had a laugh and and I think he saw that I was definitely extremely naive and but, you know, he was kind as well because he wrote me a, a list of bars uh, to visit with the name of the of the at that time bar manager, he didn't he didn't say oh tell them that I sent you there. He didn't say nothing like that. But at least he wrote me this list of bars, and so when I moved to London, I used this list, and of course I went to every bar and I told to every bar manager that Salvatore Calabrese was <laughs> recommending me, <laughs> which <Brilliant>. wasn't true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically I I visited a few bars, and um, and of course I knew I knew about um, a few of those, like I knew about the artesian at the time, of course, the Connaught, the Savoy. And, um, and you know, um, when I visited the American bar, I I was lucky enough to um, met the bar manager at the time was Italian. And um, I went, I kind of show up with this uh, fancy suit and uh, this little, uh, you know, this little uh, uh, suitcase that, you know, for documents like this leather, um, yeah, <laughs> it was not inside. But so I, I got the job. Um, I, I showed up like that, and I was like, "I'm, I'm looking for a job, any job, really." Like, um, and I was, I, I was, Of course, I read about the history of the Savoy, and I was extremely, you know, I was sort of like, um, uh, not a dream, but I was like, "This would be a great opportunity to learn." So I got, um, yeah. At the end, I got hired as a barback. And, uh, and I started, my first day was uh, the, the Christmas Eve, actually. Super busy, I still remember. And that at the time, I, yeah, it was my first day. And uh, and I think uh, I never seen a, such a busy bar in my life because I, in, back in Rome, I was working in this little cafe and, you know, it was very small and it was busy, but it was rowdy and definitely not a, a five-star hotel. So I suddenly, you know, find myself carrying like, trays with a lot of expensive glassware on top of it and uh, I, think, I, I think I destroyed a few A few of those but um, <laughs> I started uh, I started in 2000 was it was 23rd December 2011 that was um, my first uh, job and then at the Savoy and then I stayed at the Savoy for four years in total so I I kind of bounced between the American bar and then the Buffer bar um, and um, you know I think those days for me I somehow um, compare those days to um you know what a chef does you know like you learn first the the basics uh, the, the the french cuisine or the italian classics you know and then suddenly you you want to somehow take a step up and and try to be a little bit more creative and apply those those tradition those uh, elements of the tradition those things that you that you learn from the classics and somehow reinterpreting them so I think the Savoy for me was really learning about the basic of uh, not just cocktail making, but I think hospitality in general, and uh, things like um, you know being um, being professional uh, and um, take the job seriously. And uh, it was not really just about mixing cocktails; it was really about um, understanding the guest needs and all these things that that are extremely important in our business. Um so my my times at the Savoy was great. I worked with Eric Clorinx, with uh, Chris Moore and so many other great bartenders that um you know I'm extremely lucky because they they are tremendous professionals and they they taught me a lot. Each of them has a different style. But yeah. I think uh, that was the that was the great thing about the Savoy is that under one roof you have two great bars. And uh, one was uh, the American bar of course is it's, it's classic. Uh, it's more traditional, and you have of course Eric Lorenz, which is who is the the quintessential, you know, James Bond bartender. And uh, he is, yeah. You <laughs> know, he, he would he would have checked my my beard if it was properly shaved. They would have, you know, checked like the really the the mid, the, the smaller details. He was just on top of it, and great great cocktail maker. And and then on the other side in the buffer bar you have Chris Moore, with who is one of the best bartender really I ever met. I had worked with, uh, very creative. He had um, a great passion for um, um, for not just bar, but in general for, for uh, many other types of arts, like uh, culinary art as a visual art. So he somehow introduced me to, you know, look outside of the box and take things that we are passionate about and in- introduce them in the, uh, in the cocktail making process or in just any projects that uh, we would have done. So I think Savoy was great. And, um, and then I was um, after the Savoy, I, I was um, just looking for, um, for a new challenge. And uh, I, you know, looking at the panorama of, uh, of of the great bars in London, I was always looking with a lot of interest at uh, uh, Mr. Lion, Ryan, Ryan Chetty. Mm -hmm. And I'll be very honest with you. When they first opened white Lion as a most of, most of, the bartenders, I was probably, you know, I was, um, I was judging them in a way that oh, what kind of bar is that? And uh, but I, but I always also I was very curious about what they were doing. So I think when the opportunity showed up, I I just took it. And uh, and the main reason why I I joined Dandelion was uh, actually because Ryan and and Ian Griffiths. So. Um, I was really interested in working with them and see how they were developing their business model and uh, their program. So I had a year and a half in Dandelion, and also there was a great learning curve. Very tough at the beginning because I, you know, joined as head bartender, um, and um, alongside Aidan Bowie as well, who's a great friend of mine. But of course, coming from the Savoy was, and uh, and. Um, and joined Dandelion, which was pretty much uh, inside a hotel bar, but was a standalone bar. was was acting as a neighborhood bar.
0: <laughs> yeah, very when, uh,
2: So, you know, I was coming from the Savoy and you have a lot of uh, rules and discipline is very important. And and then in Dandelion, of course, was uh, not, not that it was bad, it was great, but of course, it was very different from the way I was. Uh, I worked in the last four years. So it took me a while to to adapt myself there. Actually, I think they wanted to sack me after three months. Really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because I, I think I, I didn't click with the team at the beginning. I didn't oh. really. Um, uh, but then I, I realized, it was, it was important because I realized that when you join a new working group and you're the newbie, it doesn't matter what's your role. doesn't matter what's your position or your, uh, you need to mold yourself into the new reality. And actually in Dandelion, it was not really about the, the title, really. It was uh, really about working as a team. And, uh, and I think that was uh, very important. Of course, creative process in making cocktails and the way they also develop their, um, their the business model. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, there is a reason for, there is almost a reason for anything that we used to do. Almost everything that we used to do because some stuff didn't make sense, but it, they worked out <laughs> um, yeah. but I think creatively that was uh, if Savoy was like the, um, learning the basics and uh, the great classics, I think dandelion was more you know uh, applying uh, uh, some new thoughts to my creative process and you know open a little bit my head on looking things really from a different uh, perspective. So uh, yeah and I think at that time after a year and a half I was just tired of London so I I, I decided to take a break and uh, then the opportunity uh, of Korea came up and uh, and then I moved to Seoul and, and that's when I joined four season uh, and we had a beautiful property uh, just a year old a year and a half old and uh, with a beautiful bar Charles H. Mm-hmm. um and um they, i was um i was very intrigued by the idea of uh, just uh, living uh, in asia but also korea i didn't really honestly know where where it was i knew that korea kicked out italy from the world cup in 2002 <laughs> <laughs> so it was a massive move
0: and you're yeah, going yeah, in blind
2: too, yeah yeah I, I didn't know anything i didn't know anybody but i think I was, um, that was what I was looking for, you know, really get off the comfort zone. And, uh, and I loved, I loved the concept of the bar because I think, you know, having, it was really, you know, having a bar like that in Korea five years ago, four years ago, it was very, it was the first time for Korea to have a bar that is actually inside the hotel there is a, a program like a bar, a Westerner bar, mm-hmm. where everything is really well, Tied together, the design of the space it's connected to the, the story and the identity of the bar, and um, and Charles H Baker. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Charles H Baker Jr. So I think it, it was just a great adventure. So um, I I spent two years there, and um, I think we had I had a great fun. Uh, Korean culture is um it's hard at first, but people are extremely friendly and very cu- curious about knowing uh, uh, people from from the western world and i was very curious about you know the culture um and i learned a lot about i think i learned more there than anywhere really because uh, um the, the the working culture is so different from from the rest of the world and it's really about being patient and uh, and understand uh, you know the way to talk to people is different. Uh, uh, the goals that uh, that you set uh, are necessarily different from a bar in London or in New York or in Paris. So, but I think we we had the tremendous uh, satisfactions with the team, and uh, we put the bar in the map. Uh, and um, I hope also that, and I think also the team that that work, worked worked uh, with me, I hope that they 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 got something out of it. Um, but I had a lot of friends still in Korea. So I have great memories. Um, And then um, after two years in Korea, I just, um, I got this opportunity here in Hong Kong with four seasons still. And um, they created this new role, um, the beverage ambassador, which I share with Philip Bischoff and, uh, and for season really wanted to change gear when it came to uh, beverage programs. And, I think Four Seasons always had a great traditions in restaurants mm. and also beverage always has, uh, beverage has always been very important, of course. But I think uh, this was uh, the, the time when uh, we all realized that uh, destination bars and, and a strong beverage program in a property is really a plus. And it's actually, it's not just a plus, it's a, it's a fundamental uh, part of, uh, of, of an hotel. And um, and so I I I joined Hong Kong and we have this um, we were supposed to open a new bar in uh, in May but of course uh, everything oh, yeah, of course. as you can imagine uh, got, got, actually we were supposed to open the bar May last year <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so we are we are slightly delayed but yeah the idea of the move was also because we have uh, a new bar which hopefully will uh, come to life. Uh, Beginning of January, um, January, February next year, we have pretty much everything finalized. But I think the big challenge here for me was um, um, for season Hong Kong is a huge property. It's the flagship for Four season, fifteen years open, eight Michelin star restaurants, eight Michelin stars under one roof. Not that I, not that I give, uh, not that I think the Michelin stars are fundamental or. Uh, uh, they are mandatory, but of course, it was very fascinating. Uh, the idea of also being able to work with great chefs. And so I think the reason of the move was definitely that and, and the new bar and the opportunity to to have somehow carte blanche on, on certain aspects of the programming. Right. Uh, and then here I am still.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's an it, incredible journey and you've worked in some, some of the most amazing places. I mean, these bars are you know, known throughout the world as being the best. Um, I'd like to jump into uh, your move to Asia and how different that was, because I, I'm talking from experience too. I, I came from just outside of London to Thailand, and there is a lot of differences in the culture, uh, in, like you said, the way you speak to people as well. Um, what were some of the, the hardest
2: challenges moving to Korea from London? I think the, the hardest, cha- the, the biggest challenge was the, definitely the language. You know, the language barrier is uh, it's real. You know, and uh, and to me, I think that was uh, communicating with people, not just the work, but outside work. And you know, sometimes we give things for granted, right? Uh, but in some in some situation, they are not. So I think. Language and communication was the first. And of course, that reflected to to the workplace. I think, um, you know, sometimes we, we probably think too much as um, I realize at least that we've, we try to pursue our wildest dreams and our wildest uh, goals as a bartender. And I give you an example. You know, I want to create a menu that uh, is the most incredible and groundbreaking and boundaries pushing menu that I ever done. And that's great. That's if you want to do that, it's great. But I think it's very important to realize where you are and the setting, right? So I think when I moved to Asia, um, at the beginning I was probably trying to think, oh, I, I want to really apply certain things that I, oh, I want to do a dandelion 2.0 like approach to drinks, or I want to do very experimental, uh, a very experimental program. But, even though Charles H. is a very classic, um, Charles H. Baker is a pretty classic subject. And so I think what I've learned, the, the hardest things was at the beginning, put aside my, you know, my, my my ego as a, as a creative, you can be creative, but you know, I think I put aside the certain goals that I had in mind and I focus on, on things that are, that were achievable. And, uh, and mainly I think the most important thing was to motivate and bond with the team. And then, that, the for me, there was that, um, at the beginning with the language, with the communication struggles, it was hard to integrate with the team. Uh, but then I think, as I said, I put aside the, you know, the creative part, uh, related to cocktails and I focus more on the human aspect and, uh, and really connect with, with my team and the, the people there. And then once we clicked, then we, we were able to then be creative and, uh, and really develop the program that was, uh, I think, unique in Korea. So I think those two were the main challenges. So, I
0: mean, you're now still with the Four Seasons in a really great role. Uh, part of Hong Kong and you know I think it was quite interesting you said about the mission stars under one roof and uh, being part of that culinary experience must be so cool and I can see in your uh, your feed and your work that you bring in a lot of food elements into your cocktails can you tell us about maybe your um, your daily routines uh, in your role what you normally get up to and maybe your approach to making cocktails
2: sure I think for I think for uh, when it comes to uh, my routine, you know, here my my title is beverage manager and uh, and beverage ambassador. So, uh, but I think despite of the title, I still love a lot being on you know on the field and being uh, front of house, and you know I spend my time with the team and with the guests. So, regarding my schedule, I think despite my role, I think I still love to spend time with uh, with the team and with the guests. The day pretty much is, um, you know, the the, the morning, the, the the morning or the late morning is always about meetings and planning the renovation. So, a lot of parts that um, I I always try to avoid in the past, unfortunately, have to do now. <laughs> um, so when it comes to parts related to budgets or um, uh, OSNE and uh, uh, training material and um, you know. I, Life is not only about creating cocktails. <laughs> I treat. But uh, the, the first part is that. And then I always try to spend time with the team. And uh, uh, when when the operation was still on, we would have always had uh, some uh, creative session, uh, some training session uh, to introduce the team to, um, to different subjects. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, and then I think when it comes to... Uh, the way I make cocktails, uh, you know, I I always uh, first of all I always rationalize my venue, w- what I'm doing and what my venue is about. Mm-hmm. So in the case of Charles H, as I said in Korea, we have a very specific uh, uh, we have a very specific subject. We have Charles H Baker, who was this traveler and Bon Vivant that. Traveled the the world between the twenties and the fifties, collecting food and drinks recipes. So we are we have a time frame. We have a, um, a very specific subject. So in that case, I knew that um, we would have stick to a pretty much classic style structure when it comes to the drink, right? And also, mm-hmm. I I we also need to see the audience that we are talking to. So in Korea, the the, the guest mainly. Was the very first time that they were introduced to mix cocktails, uh, to mix drinks, uh, because in Korea there is a huge beer and soju culture, so it was just a pretty recent that um, cocktail bar came about. So we had to take, I had to take in consideration that in, in Hong Kong is different. Um, Caprice, uh, Caprice bar, um, you know, is a bar inside a restaurant. The restaurant is modern French. But there is definitely this French element that uh, it's it, it's very important. And uh, so uh, the way we make drinks is uh, always try to find a tight um, to the venue and to what the venue is. Um, again, we are not in London. We are not in New York. Even though Hong Kong is very developed when it comes to guest palate. So it, making drinks is always being relating to the venue, understanding the crowd, and always create the balance between comfort and uh, give that uh, little element of uh, wackiness (laughs) if you makes the guest uh, interested into the drinks or into the beverage program. So it's all really about the balance between being comforting and not alienating the guest, but at the same time, trigger the curiosity and the fantasy of them
0: yeah i got it and uh, we'll talk about the bar shortly but actually i'm looking at your instagram feed now and I, I really love it there's so much incredible like food elements in there and i can see um can we talk about truffle negronis <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> seems like you're a big fan of sure. this <laughs> yeah yeah
2: look i think i think again like um, the truffle negroni i think i didn't invent anything i think actually there are many many examples of great truffle negroni done before i think when we when i joined when we when i joined hong kong and i and we realized that the new bar would have been delayed a little of course we had this beautiful space that is caprice bar and uh, and i thought well it's a shame that uh, that this space is a little bit like um, you know that not many people knows about it because it's a, it's a timeless space it's the it's probably in terms of design is 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 the most beautiful room in the hotel and um, and I think um, um, when when I was drafting the the, the the identity of the of the bar um, I always look at um, you know like uh, which are the main pillars of the of the offering right and to me it's always about uh, uh, the product so um, uh, do we want to focus on on certain things yes so we wanted to focus on french spirits French wine mm-hmm. vintage spirits from france mainly so really celebrating france and uh, the people so we want to introduce also the 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 the, the main actors of uh, that that play an important role in the bar so I try to really uh, push my team in uh, in really uh, being out there and being the face of the venue, right? Sure. And then there is always uh, what can be the story that we tell, that we can focus on. Um, and, uh, and of course, we have uh, a cocktail menu that, uh, in that case, was uh, celebrating the French, French regionality. We have our connection with the kitchen, so we try to be as seasonal as we can. And then I thought we need to find a drink that... Uh, that we can then is like the cherry on top of the cake of this programming that we have created, and this drink needs to be something somehow iconic to the venue. And the try and the truffle idea came. I mean, the truffle idea came because the chefs uh, they use a lot of truffle, of course, and um, and so I thought, um, let's do a simple serve, something that uh, everybody knows, something that is easy to execute, uh, and at the same time is comforting, but at the same time is elevated. Mm. And, uh, and so what we did was uh, simply, yeah, just uh, got this uh, Australian black truffle, winter truffle, which we infuse in the in the gin for a few weeks, uh, and then we uh, combine it with Campari, some Amaretto, Vermouth, and uh, we serve it at the table table side uh, with a, we slice a little a little shave of truffle on it. So it's like you know, it's that part of it's the element of storytelling that. In the end of the day, it really makes the difference in a venue. Yeah. And um, so, you know, you sit down and you introduce the venue as uh, we are celebrating France in in different aspects from the food, the drinks. Our menu is a celebration of the different regions. Oh, Our bar snacks are made uh, using uh, a blend of Herb de Provence and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and we have a, a truffle Negroni. So, you know, it's everything really needs to make sense and... Um, Mm-hmm. and needs to be shared with the guest. Um, and I think that's what makes the difference between, at least to me, what really makes a venue um, stand up is uh, storytelling and a sense of authenticity and, and the creative flair to it as well.
0: That's great. And it's obviously working because you're currently number 34 in the of 50 best list. Um, it is a beautiful yeah. bar as well. So, yeah, it's
2: beautiful bar It's a beautiful bar I think, you know the, I think for us though The biggest reward really is um, You know, I said The, the biggest reward was um, All the guests that came That, uh, you know They've never been to Caprice Bar before And either because they read about it Or word of mouth And they enjoyed the experience And I think This is for me Of course, 50 best is great It's the, the cherry on top of the cake But I think we 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 work towards uh, the main the main target is really uh, work with uh, with the guests that we have uh, here in Hong Kong and attract uh, the attention of international guests and being recognized to be um, a great venue. Our 50 best is great, of course. Is the team is, is is super happy and it's it's definitely a matter of being proud of pride. But um, um, I, I I think the most important thing is our you know, guest recognition, I know it sounds like, uh, like, uh, like, a, a you know, a lame, but uh, it's, it's what it is. It's real.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I respect that. I really do. I really do. So we'll, we'll wrap up soon. Uh, I want to ask a bit about what your plans for the future are, but just quickly, um, I see on your Instagram feed, uh, lacto plums and actually, uh, me at my bar, uh, at pin 31, we're going to be doing lacto fermentation soon as well. Could you explain a bit to the audience about what lacto plums are and how you're going to use them?
2: yeah so lacto fermentation is this process that uh, pretty much uh, um, involves uh, uh, fruits uh, mainly fruits vegetables or uh, or uh, that's at least what we have experimented but you can really extend this process to really an array of ingredients and it's a combination of uh, of in their case the plums with uh, with uh, salt and um, a salt solution um kosher salt sea salt depends uh, we use sea salt, but, uh, what we do, we, um, so, so w- like when we, when we talk about lacto-fermentation, um, you know, we, we, we probably don't realize, I mean, we, we know, but there are a lot of ingredients in our, uh, uh, daily base table that are, uh, that are, that involves this process. Like I think about kimchi or pickles or sauerkraut and, and so on. And, and I mean, this is a pretty straightforward, uh, process that, uh, that, as I said before, requires uh, salt. Uh, um, uh, you know, vegetables, so fruits, uh, um, and um, and uh, and that's it. So pretty much, the um, the salt is combined with um, um, with the fruits. In that case, uh, plum. And um, and the, the way it works is that uh, um, the the salt pretty much kills all the. The bad bacteria that are uh, that are part of the of, of the of the of the fruit mix, and um, and um, and uh, help the development of the of the lactic acid mm-hmm. that uh, breaks down the fruit and um, and uh, and gives this uh, you know different and turns the fruit into a different texture and adds uh, uh, different nutrients as well, like uh, um, a slightly sour. Sour edge um, to 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 it. Um, so what we do is pretty much adding uh, um, uh, salt plums, so, uh, vacuum seal them, and then control uh, the the process for uh, up to six or seven days. If uh, uh, of course uh, you have a situation where um, the gas is um, uh, is is released, the CO2 is released, so the bag sometimes can somehow. Pump up. In that case, we just uh, deflate it and then reseal it again. Uh-huh. And uh, and we taste the, the process uh, every day. Uh, and uh, the way we're gonna use it, it's um, we we did a test, but I think after six six to seven days, we we reach the um, you know the best. Uh, uh, we reached the best um, uh, the best result. It has this beautiful tangy flavor profile um and also you know like it does have this almost like a floral it develops almost like a floral edge and what we did with we uh, with uh, we pure it uh and um we passed it through uh, a centrifuge we did a couple of tests so we used the the juice itself centrifuge and then the pulp is used for uh, for another process uh, or we just pure it and uh, and use it in a sour so using yeah. the and i think that that's probably the easiest way and actually that's probably the most delicious way because um you definitely add the texture to the to the drink with the with the plum puree and uh, and the flavor profile that you get out of uh, of of the puree once blended with the whiskey or the lemon or or the sour basic uh, structure it, it really showcases uh, the flavor of of, of the lacto plums. It's still something that we are working on. I like to um, experiment here and there with the team, um, and let's see in the future what, what else we can
0: we can do. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Well, I mean, uh, if people want to find you, they can obviously find you in Hong Kong for seasons at the Caprice. You also do some writing uh, for
2: Lifestyle Asia, Hong Kong, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, right. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, when, if I if I can, um, I always uh, try to um, you know share my thoughts or uh, or or things that I like to do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's uh, you know um, it's a good way to um, to to share what we do here. But I, I just enjoy a lot writing. Um, uh, so it's something that I that I try to do whenever I have time, and uh, and it's also a way to to develop uh, my profile within within the within the local community. Um, and I think it's important to uh, not not being recognized as a thoughtful leader, but I think it's important that um, you know if you have a passion, if you have a, something that you are passionate about, it's important that. Uh, um you know we strive to to do whatever we can to feed that passion so in my case i i love fmb and um, and i try to get involved as much as i can with with the local scene with the local community and of course uh, writing a piece or or uh, or uh, or sharing some thoughts it definitely helps can you give us one article we
0: should go read after this
2: well, there was, a, there was, a, so what we did was um, this project called Handpicked where um, uh, we picked uh, uh, certain bartenders from Hong Kong and we asked them to then pick one staple ingredient from the everyday base uh, life. And uh, we asked them to create a cocktail that then the readers would be able to reproduce at home. And it was a way to ask those bartenders how they Uh, see creativity and how Mm -hmm. they apply their creativity to simple ingredients, which I think is the most fascinating thing. It's like, how can I extract uh, uh, different flavors uh, or the best flavors out of a single ingredient? Or how can I use the humble, you know, um, the humble, I say potato because everybody says the humble potato, but, you know, -hmm. how can I use something that is a, a staple but somehow elevating it. Um, so it was interesting to see those bartenders' uh, um, point of view and the way they unfold uh, their creativity. Uh, so that's, that's there in the, in the, in the Lifestyle Asia um, column. Uh, it's called Endpicked. So it, yeah, it's, um, I, I, we had a lot of fun.
0: Great. <laughs> I'll, I'll have that in the show notes for all the audience listening. And uh, one last question before we wrap up. Uh, when the world is back open again, Where's the first bar
2: you would like to go visit? The, um, if I have to... So once the bar open again, in Hong Kong... Anywhere in the world. <laughs> anywhere in the world. You know what? Well, I will definitely, you know, probably I will just take a plane and go and see my family in Italy and have a nice Negroni with my dad. <laughs> Sounds perfect, yeah. <laughs> Wherever. Like, seriously, like, uh, I think that's definitely... The first drink that um, the first place that I would see myself enjoying a a cocktail if I could definitely with my with my family in a nice patio in Italy with the sunshine.
0: <laughs> oh, hopefully you can do that soon, Lorenzo. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for thank sharing you, your journey, mate. and
2: uh, good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for your time. I hope uh, stay safe, and uh, and I hope you guys are well in, in Thailand. Thank you.
0: Well, that was it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to Lorenzo for joining us. If you want to see some of his work, please head over to his Instagram. uh, Also his articles, which you'll find in the show notes. And once again, please subscribe, share, um, talk about me and the show. And hopefully we can make it something big one day. But anyway, stay tuned. Bye.